0: Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. All right. I want to start with this. You know, there's a particular phenomenon that happens with regularity, and it really does, I think, test the ability of individuals to recognize this particular pattern. And this is something that happens, again, constantly, over and over again, and it's usually done in an effort to either make someone rich or avert attention or whatever it may be, but it always has to do with manufactured outrage. And I'm just coining it this, but again, this is a very real thing, and there are endless examples that I could certainly reference. Any time in society when you have a particular story that hits the mainstream, usually involving either an entertainer or even maybe a politician or something, you know, the old quote unquote cancel culture as they like to say that of course is bolshevism but people have to understand also that while it is real in some cases in other cases it is purposefully manufactured to again divert attention and distract individuals while endless other things are are taking place so let's just examine what was actually happening the other day just the other day you had IRS whistleblowers testifying that hunter biden was paying prostitutes to cross state lines and actually fly across the country, and then he sought to deduct the cost of those prostitutes when filing taxes. This is absurd. It's completely illegal, highly illegal, and that entire IRS whistleblowing committee meeting was very revealing. Now, was it shocking to a lot of us that have been paying attention to it? No, of course not. But here's where the manufactured outrage story existed that would distract from something like that, and it had to do with Jason Aldean and a song that he wrote and that he released oddly enough back in May that all of the sudden people got upset about, allegedly, and then they started to say, well, it's racist and it's uh, it's disrespectful and it's calling for violence and all this other nonsense. The reason that you can tell that it's manufactured outrage is when again a politician gets involved, like Christy Nome, for example, in South Dakota, the Governor of South Dakota, she put out a video basically saying, "You know it's just, I just can't believe it this is just terrible they're they're trying to cancel this song and whatever else and and I mean they can't cancel anything okay he's he's a musician he he wrote a song about a small town and and behaving in a small town and protecting your own in a small town, how many songs like that have been written over the decades? Endless songs. Not to mention, his song came out in May. So why all of the sudden now? Why would it now be used as a particular headline or a particular story, in particular, again, right now? With all the other things that are coming out right now, and how everything politically is slipping through the fingers of the enemy, and yet something like this exists to either, again, stir up the base on the so-called right and get them to believe something, or, again, highlight the simple fact that they want to distract from something else. The, the, The larger point that I'm just trying to make is this manufactured outrage is is a psychological operation. It's a very real thing. It happens constantly. It's a look over here, not over here kind of thing. It's a, I want to make you angry with this because I know that it'll make you angry, so we'll manufacture this outrage over here, and then you'll support us over here. And again, like Clockwork, that song, which came out in May, which no one gave a damn about because... You know, I, I don't listen to Jason Aldean. I don't listen to current country music. And again, no offense to those that do, but for me, I've, I've heard it, and it just all sounds the same. I mean, I'm an old country guy. I like Hank Williams, Hank Williams Jr., Waylon Jennings. You know, I like these guys. I've referred to the current country style of music as being a stream of consciousness country. It's just them saying things. I mean, the words don't even rhyme. And they all sound the same, and again, that's just my opinion uh I'm not the only one that shares that, but either way it's it's that's just my opinion. point is, everybody's being drugged around by the leash on it. The song goes number one to iTunes, which was beyond predictable because that's what happens and and then, what do you have? You have everybody paying attention to this song that doesn't really matter and uh and putting all of their effort into that, and then of course all the social media posts associated with it, and so on and so forth. And then, like clockwork, which you've heard me say too, you get on Gab. And all of a sudden, it's a bunch of posts on the main Gab thread, and that's the thing that people are talking about. People have got to wake up to this and understand that manufactured outrage is, again, a psychological operation. It's something that happens all of the time, usually for the purpose of distraction, usually for the purpose of making someone who is rich more rich. And that's the way that it goes. Again, Jason Aldean was involved in the Vegas shooting. I mean, he was on stage during the Vegas shooting. Funny how a lot of stuff around Jason Aldean seems to be happening. Is he a Mason? He might be. Why not? At this point, why not? But again, people take the bait every single time when it comes to stuff like this. So here's all I'm asking. As a homework project, this will happen again. When it happens again, the manufactured outrage, pay attention to it and just don't buy into it. See it for what it really is. Someone is starting that on purpose for the purpose of distracting you and sucking your energy out of you and ultimately getting you to open up your wallet so that you pay these people. I mean, again, Sound of Freedom and the movie Sound of Freedom is another example. That's another example of, it's certainly a bit of manufactured. Outrage they're trying to get people to wake up to child trafficking. I fully get it, but you have to understand too that you know we are we're capable of doing more than one thing at one time. We can walk and chew gum at the same time, and anybody who's looking at that and asking questions about Jim Caviesel, Tim Ballard, the money that allegedly existed uh re- regarding putting up the movie, um those operations that allegedly took place. And endless other things. I mean, again, uh, Amazing Polly pointed out perfectly that Larry Pasternak, the psychologist or psychiatrist in Hollywood who has warped the minds of endless people, that Jim Caviezel was one of his first patients. This is the same guy, again, who got a hold of Kanye West. It's the same guy who got a hold of Ellen Page, who's now whatever the hell her name is now. And again, she's pretending to be a dude. Cut her breasts off, uh, you know. Takes testosterone replacement therapy. I mean, she is grotesque. She used to be an attractive girl. Now she's just grotesque. This is this is a huge problem. But we get to ask questions like that, and where you can tell that the manufactured outrage uh, resonates with particular people and they and they buy into it all the time are the things that they say and the memes that they make regarding those of us who can actually think outside of the box so much so that you'll see these memes that are bouncing around. Well, where uh, certainly on social media, but they'll say, you know, if you don't support sound or freedom or you're criticizing Tim Ballard, well, then that just means you're a pedophile. And that means I know exactly who you are and you support pedophiles. That right there is the leap that they all make, which makes zero sense. They're basically looking at everything in a black and white sort of landscape, and it's not black and white. There is a gray area that is bigger than both, where people really should sit for a while and think about what the hell is really going on. So I just wanted to start this show off by mentioning that because, again, it's one of those things that sort of continues to be the thread here, certainly throughout the episodes this week, which is what are people saying, what are they not saying? and then what's getting all the attention, and then what is not. It's a psychological operation, that's all. And it's rather easy, as you can see, to bait people into it, and it's easy to pull off, because people buy it, figuratively and literally. I mean, they buy into it. And again, it's going to happen again, and it's going to keep happening. Next time it happens, pay attention to what it is. Write it down if you want. And say, here's another one. Here's another manufactured outrage story. Again, it couldn't be more manufactured regarding Jason Aldean because, like I said, the song came out in May. And then what did he do? Jason Aldean, of course, is now making more money hand over fist than he already was. He's a multi-millionaire. He doesn't he doesn't need anything else. But he's getting more of it, and so are the, all the people around him, and so on and so forth. And then he runs to social media. And he provides this long Facebook post, or whatever the hell it is, about him basically saying, again, that that's not what the song meant, it wasn't about this, and blah, 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 and it never meant this, it really means this, and everybody's, you know, getting upset for nothing, and blah, blah, blah. And then he provides the explanation at the end to sort of, again, apologize while not apologizing, but still kind of apologizing. It's a bit, I mean, the whole thing is scripted. It's just scripted. So yeah, it's going to happen again. That's the that's the point there, and I just wanted to mention that again. It's a psychological operation. Here's another one. And again, carrying the theme from some past episodes, certainly in, in recent time here, where I've talked about charities and being very suspicious of charities and the people who associate with them and what they mean and their connections with one another and all of this. You've probably heard of Samaritan's Purse, Samaritan's Purse is put together by Franklin Graham, who is the son of Billy Graham, the late Reverend Billy Graham. Now, I'm going to provide a brief history of Billy Graham. You can take this with a grain of salt if you want. You can swallow the salt shaker too, if you're interested. I would recommend getting online and looking up the work of Fiona Barnett. Fiona Barnett was child trafficked. She was brainwashed. And she wrote a book, I believe it's titled Eyes Wide Open. I downloaded that book a long time ago. It was free on PDF. Um, I'm sure you can look it up again. I'm sure it's still available. Anyway, she specifically lays out that she was child trafficked by Billy Graham and by endless other politicians, specifically, again, those associated with Disney and Disneyland. She herself is Australian, if memory serves. And uh, Samaritan's Purse is, of course, run by Franklin Graham. Now, Franklin Graham has been suspected of being tied up with child traffickers because the history of the Graham family is a rather shady one. Billy Graham, received most of his money, certainly I would say the vast majority of his money, from Freemasons who helped set up his first church, which means he's a Mason, which means his children are Masons, and that's the way that that all operates. You can't really be a Mason and not have children who become Masons. It's it's all tied together. So the point is, is that at face value, having read a great deal about the Graham family over the years, without spending too much time on it here, these people are dirty. And again, they seem to have a lot of very disgusting ties and very odd ties. So there was a post on greatawakening.win about Samaritan's Purse. And the person was asking, and it didn't get a lot of upvotes, but it's it's an excellent post and good questions. They said, quote, can Samaritan's Purse be trusted? Now, you know my answer right out of the gate. I don't trust any charitable organization. I just don't. If it doesn't go directly into the hands of someone who's going to spend it on something that they need for themselves, and you're not the person doing it, then I don't trust it. But they asked this, and here was their post. They said, quote, this is the organization that gives a shoebox of toys to children in developing countries around the world each year. Let me start by saying that for many years I have greatly supported Samaritan's Purse. My family has given about an average of 150 shoeboxes for about 10 consecutive years, and I've been part of Samaritan's Purse volunteer groups for a few years. This was before I started, started to wake up and started to have questions. First thing that gave me concern was when that woman, Fiona Barnett, they spelled it wrong, they said Bartlett, but it's Barnett, uh, consistently started accusing Ted Turner and Billy Graham of raping her as a child. We know there are a million people that falsely accuse someone that disagrees with them politically. There's a couple of typos here, but she basically says, again, how on earth can a person continue to do this and, and make these comments and make documentaries and books about it? Uh, specifically regarding Ted Turner, who's an atheist, and the evangelical Billy Graham. Uh, They said Franklin Graham shared a picture of a donut from Voodoo Donuts with a pedophile swirl on Twitter, and Barnett immediately went after him about how dare he share a donut with a pedo swirl. Graham then immediately deleted the image. You can see this shop sells donuts called, quote-unquote, Cock and Balls, one with a pentagram, one called Voodoo Doll, also, and then they have the entire link right there. It says during the days of Vote, and I remember Vote because that's where the Stormbook uh, Stormbook posts came from. Vote was the place to be back in the day, ladies and gentlemen. There is still a Vote that exists. It's not quite the same, uh, but Vote Vote was the place to be on the internet. Certainly, before 2020, way before 2020. Uh, I think I want to say it started maybe around 2014, if I'm not mistaken, or 2017, somewhere in there. Either way, they said researchers located a number of NGOs aimed at helping children that were run by billionaires. They all had the same M.O. Number one, they helped children in third world countries. Number two, you could visit a child and spend time with him or her. And number three, most of these had a pedophile symbol on their website. They then said, Now Samaritan's Purse does not have any pedo symbols of any kind on their website from what I know, but they do bring some select volunteers to distribute shoe boxes to the millions of kids around the world. They sure seem perfectly situated to give the right people the opportunity. What do you guys think? Anyone else feel that there's a small possibility that they're involved in something bad? Unquote. You have to assume that they are. It's a safe assumption it's a safe assumption, in particular again, and these people are the ones that are going to burn in hell, the people who surround themselves with these charitable organizations under the guise of being christ-like or being associated with Jesus Christ, or the Bible, Christianity, whatever. This right here is is a huge, huge problem, and I wanted to bring that to your attention because again, there are many. I don't want to call it a honeypot necessarily, but there are many uh, organizations like that that, again, claim to do good when, in fact, there may be another agenda. And that agenda might not be a good one. So, again, you can think whatever you'd like. Me, personally, I stay away from Samaritan's Purse. Samaritan's Purse showed up, too, in 2020, big time, during the fake pandemic. They were setting up tents in New York. They were setting up tents lots of places, claiming that they were helping people. I'm telling you. Um, you know, the, the Samaritan's Purse, again, will, you'll start seeing commercials for them on TV when there's a massive hurricane. Well, as we know, displaced families and displaced children are easily trafficked. Again, I'm saying allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. But my intuition says this is a red flag and has been for a very long time. I've been familiar with Samaritan's Purse. Again, haven't given them one red cent, never will. But the, these organizations exist and they don't always exist for good reasons is is the overall point. Now you'll recall in the previous episode when I was railing on about uh, Chris Rufo and where that stranger comes from and How does a person who's never had a job all of a sudden find themselves wrapped up with politicians and writing, uh, you know, best-selling books and being called a journalist when all they have is a Twitter account? These things are suspicious. He, of course, has direct ties to the Heritage Foundation, which brings me to this, and I'm certain I'm not the only one. Have you ever received an email from the Heritage Foundation asking you for money? as I certainly have, and I get them with regularity. Now, I've unsubscribed, but I wanted to read this last email that I got from them, which again is doing whatever, they, I mean, basically what they're doing again is they're stirring the pot based on critical race theory, and they're coming for us in our schools and our children. Please give us money and we will fight for you. It's that same old drift, and they do it constantly. But this came from a Kevin D. Roberts, Again, sent to my personal email, not the show email. But they said the following, Dear, and then it's a comma, I'm reaching out today because I need your help to address the growing threats, dangers, and concerns facing our children and grandchildren as a result of the left's agenda. See, that sentence right there, they're sticking their hand out because they want, they want your money. Not knowing that walking away from the school districts in America and the higher education institutions, quote unquote, is the answer. You don't have to give these people money. Spend the money on your own children, not giant conglomerate organizations like this. They continued and said, every day that I see the dire consequences unfolding, it makes me pause to consider. And then they have italicized three points. How can we expect to raise the next generation of conservative patriots if we allow them to be indoctrinated in public schools with socialist ideologies presented by the 1619 Project and brainwashed by critical race theory? That's their first point. Well, you don't have to, you just homeschool them and you get them away. The second point, how can we teach them to speak for the most vulnerable in our society in the midst of loud progressive messages and cultural trends? heralding that the lives of the unborn in society are not worth protection. And then their third point, how can we expect them to raise the next generation when they are inundated with the left's deceitful claims about sexual orientation and sex change surgeries? Again, this is part of that manufactured outrage also. They're they're pulling on the heartstrings and the mental strings of the normies who are brainwashed, who would read this and go, Yeah, I agree with you. Let me open my wallet so that you can fight these people. And then they send them a check. Again, they also pray, I might add, the people like the Heritage Foundation, they'll send their mail in the mail, in the snail mail. And then an elderly individual goes out to their mailbox, and they open it up because the elderly elderly love reading mail, even when it's junk mail. And then what happens? Grandma or grandpa ends up pulling out their checkbook and writing people like this a check because they read it and they say, you're right, this is horrible. And then just like that, grandma and grandpa's uh, bank account is empty because they've given money to the Heritage Foundation or Samaritan's Purse or so on and so forth. This again is, is part of the problem. The email continues though. It doesn't end. It says, quote, An America dominated by the left's harmful agenda is not the America we want for our children and grandchildren. If you're like me, I know you want the next generation of Americans to inherit a country that is safe, prosperous, strong, and devoted to the Judeo-Christian values that made America a success. Don't get me started on the phrase (laughs) Judeo-Christian. My God, they are not the same they are not the same. It then says, in bold, if you care about protecting our children, I need your immediate support to fight back against the relentless assault of the radical left on our next generation. It says, thanks to a group of dedicated Heritage Foundation members, your donation to protect our future generations from the left's agenda can be matched dollar for dollar. Up to 1.5 million, but the deadline is approaching fast. Will you help us protect our children and secure America's future by making a gift today? Here's the link to secure your donation and blah, blah, blah. It says, We order, I'm sorry, we owe it to our children and grandchildren to pave a better way forward and win with war against the left. Win the war against the left. They are truly counting on you and me. Sincerely, Kevin D. Roberts, Ph.D. President, the Heritage Foundation. It says, P.S. If you, are, if you are not one to sit on the sidelines, join us as we fight to save the future of the next generation. Double your best gift when you give right now at this secured link. So they're telling people if you donate, then they'll donate even more. It is a massive con. The Heritage Foundation gives money to to PBS. Sesame Street cash. Look what they've done with Sesame Street. Look at the propaganda and the drivel that exists on PBS. I mean, Antiques Roadshow is about the only thing that I'll watch. And I don't even watch it on PBS anymore. I watch it on YouTube. That's it. Heritage Foundation gives money to the same organization that receives money from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. These connections are undeniable. But it's the emails like that, again, that are part of not just the manufactured outrage psychological operation that they're always engaging in and attempting to grift from, and I'm sure they do it very successfully, but it's also done to control as much of the conservative narrative. As humanly possible. They know that people like us are out there who don't play any of these back-and-forth political games. We don't watch Fox News. We don't watch television. We know what these people are doing. They have to maintain that fake boxing match in the ring for everybody to watch because they know that people will watch it and dish out their wallets when, in fact, people like us don't even show up to the ring anymore we don't even watch it because we can see right through it take matt gates for example congressman matt gates from florida matt gates just put out a tweet about how he and his wife went to the premiere of the barbie movie barbie this is an ultra left satanic women are terrible men are terrible the nuclear family is terrible, kind of Hollywood, pr- satanic production. That That's what it is. I haven't watched it, not going to. But he basically put out a tweet of, of a picture of him wearing a pink blazer and his wife wearing a Barbie-like outfit, and they're at the premiere, and he said something like, if you don't want to go to a movie with Margot Robbie in it, then the terrorists win. Okay. Again. <laughs> it's uh it's pathetic. It's a pathetic dig at any individual who who can see right through it while basically saying, I'm attracted to Margot Robbie, so you should be too. Again, he's catering to the lowest common denominator. This is an individual, again, who came from nowhere. His daddy has a bunch of money. He's never worked a day in his life. He's been raised to be a politician. He's had some very shady connections with very young girls. Don't know if any of that's true or not. I'm just saying, allegedly. And then he has no problem again having his picture taken taken rather and then of course tweeting it out and essentially saying, "Hey, look, if you don't want to look at pretty girls, there's something wrong with you." Okay. That's pathetic. I mean, it really is pathetic. But that right there again, Part of the grift, part of the part of the double standard, part of the inconsistency. This is one of the things that people should be able to recognize, and yeah, I, I don't think he's doing it to uh to get us mad at Hollywood. He's clearly doing it because he's an idiot, and he's paying attention to things that do not matter. Is this what really a a, a real person who cares about his constituents should be doing? is that what they really should be doing going to a, a movie premiere so all of these distractions are certainly purposeful and again these charitable organizations are beyond strange and these connections that they all have to one another are practically undeniable but that leads me to this and i had a family member toss this my way and they said uh you know that basically they they were suggesting because they know what I do, and, and they know my experience, but they said, you should uh, you should apply to this. And I was flattered. I, I really was, but I, I can see through this for what it really is. This is called Project 2025. And uh, this is put together by the Heritage Foundation. And here's what it says. It is, first of all, the website is project2025.org. They have a policy, they have personnel training, a playbook, and then about who they are, and all of that. Uh, Here is the about section, about Project 2025. It says this, quote, The actions of liberal politicians in Washington have created a desperate need and unique opportunity for conservatives to start undoing the damage the left has wrought and build a better country for all Americans in 2025. It is not enough for conservatives to win elections. If we are going to rescue the country from the grip of the radical left, we need both a governing agenda and the right people in place ready to carry this agenda out on day one of the next conservative administration. Now, first of all, have they said anything about voter fraud thus far? The answer is, of course, no, which should give them away. They are interested in continuing to keep people asleep into the left-right paradigm and and get people to understand, hey, look, we're going to take back these positions and we're going to vote harder. And as long as we vote harder and your resume is with us, we will give you a chance and you could be in a future administration somewhere and we need the right people in the right places. That's exactly what this is. But as we know, they wouldn't want someone like me around. They wouldn't want someone like you around. They wouldn't want us around because we aren't the kinds of people they're really interested in. They want the kinds of people who sign on the dotted line saying Israel is our greatest ally. They want individuals who come from higher education institutions like Georgetown University, Yale, Harvard, and the like. Doesn't matter how far left or criminal they are, these are the kinds of people that they are after. They also want people who are not awake. They want people who are dead asleep and actually believe that voting harder, you know, again, taking your your pen or your... Uh, Whatever it is, your electronic panel, when you vote and just pressing harder on it, will somehow have the right thing occur. These are the brainwashed individuals on the so-called right that they're really interested in. They should have said something about voter fraud in the first paragraph, and they didn't. They continue, and they say, quote, This is the goal of the 2025 Presidential Transition Project. The project will build upon four pillars that will collectively pave the way for an effective conservative administration, a policy agenda, personnel training, and a 180 day playbook. The project is the effort of a broad coalition of conservative organizations that have come together to ensure a successful administration begins in January of 2025. With the right conservative policy recommendations and properly vetted, there you go, and trained personnel to implement them, we will take back our government. So here's what they're saying They want you to apply. They have a playbook that they want to train you on. And if you disagree with it, well, you're out the door. But if you're a team player, quote unquote, and you read their manual and their playbook and their books, and you believe all of it, no matter what they say, well, then we might be able to find a place for you. It says the 2025 Presidential Transition Project is being organized by the Heritage Foundation and builds off of Heritage's long-standing mandate for leadership. That right there again, trigger word, mandate. But again, they know what they're doing. They, they pick these slogans on purpose. It says, which has been highly influential for presidential administration since the Reagan era. Most recently, the Trump administration relied heavily on Heritage's mandate, quote unquote, for policy guidance embracing nearly two-thirds of Heritage's proposals within just one year in office. It says, Paul Dans, former chief of staff at the Office of Personal Management, during the Trump administration, serves as the director of the 2025 Presidential Transition Project. And Spencer Crichton, if I'm saying that right, or Creton, one of the two, former special assistant to the president and associate director of the presidential personnel, of presidential personnel, serves as associate director of the project. And there's Pictures of their mugs right there, and then the old contact us for more information. Then on their policy page here, they have their policy agenda. This is titled the 2025 Mandate for Leadership, The Conservative Promise. By Mr. Smith, Mrs. Smith, and Miss Smith, to come to Washington, they say, to support those who can. Our goal is to assemble an army of aligned, vetted, trained, and prepared conservatives to go to work on day one to deconstruct the administrative state. Bullshit. Bullshit. These guys are funded by copious amounts of people, probably foreign entities, probably Israel, all over again. And again, they are simply interested in maintaining that illusionary boxing match between the right and the left, not knowing that they are both the problem. And they perpetuate the problem because, as we know, it is profitable. Now, you can read the mandate, and you can buy their book. Here's their table of contents. I could spend an entire episode on just this this grift right here alone, but I have other things I want to get to, but I do want to read through the table of contents of their, of their manual that they, uh, you know, force feed you as you're tied to a chair while Disney movies are playing in the background as they cattle prod you. I'm kidding, but that's probably what they do. Uh, table of contents. It says a note on project 2025 and then a foreword written by Kevin D. Roberts, PhD, the same guy who inundates me with all these ridiculous emails. Section one, it says, taking the reins of government. Number one, White House office. Number two, executive office of the president of the United States. And number three, central central personal agencies managing the bureaucracy. Then there's section two, the common defense, which is chapter four, Department of Defense. Chapter five, the Department of Homeland Security. Department of State, Intelligence Community, Media Agencies. Including corporate uh, corporation for public broadcasting and the U.S. Agency for Global Media, and then Chapter Nine, the Agency for International Development. Section three of this giant book is the General Welfare. It is titled that anyway. Chapter ten here, Department of Agriculture. Chapter eleven, Department of Education. Chapter twelve, Department of Energy and related commissions. Chapter thirteen. Environmental Protection Agency. And you get the the picture. They go through every single government institution and what they think should happen with it. Uh, This right here is astounding. And each one of these, again, chapters is enormous. Chapter 11, Department of Education of their brainwashing manual is, again, written by a Lindsay M. Burke. I I I uh I can't read this because it's too long. But what they do again is they talk about how the NEA uh is is the problem and get outraged about COVID and this, that, and the other. They want to advance education freedom, they say, by empowering families to choose among a diverse section a set, rather, of educational options is key to reform. There's that word reform, and improve outcomes and it can be achieved without establishing a new federal program. For example, portability of existing federal education spending to fund families directly or allowing federal tax credits to encourage voluntary contributions to K-12 education savings accounts managed by charitable nonprofits could significantly advance education choice. I agree, and I disagree. Don't put it In a nonprofit for us to pull our own money out that you've stolen to just give it back to us when they see when the nonprofit sees fit. Just give it back to the families by abolishing the Department of Education. That should have been the first thing they said in this. And it's not. They want to keep the reform going because when you reform an institution, what are you really doing? You're keeping the institution. When the institution should cease to exist. I'm going to read through a few of these bullet points here. Uh, providing education choice for federal children, restoring state and local control over education funding, treating taxpayers like investors in federal student aid, protecting the federal student loan portfolio from predatory politicians, safeguarding civil rights, and stopping executive overreach they don't have a section under there that says homeschool abolish american education as it is in homeschool now again i could send my resume to these people i think i would fit i'm certainly qualified the problem and the rub would be that me personally i have more education experience than those who are actually running the place which means when i start talking they're going to they're going to get chills down their spine and then I'm going to say why aren't you why aren't you homeschooling advocates? Well, not everybody can homeschool Sean and I think it's uh, I think that's an impossible thing for many families and we need to make sure that we are catering to everyone and that's the long hand of government right there again, I could spend an entire episode on this entire thing. Here's the direction, and I'm going to say this before i before I shut this down, although this may be a document that I revisit in the future but again, here's the direction that they're going in. Keeping in mind, this is the Heritage Foundation putting all of this together. They're trying to keep the institution of the state department, of the federal rather, Department of Education intact. All they're doing is, is they're saying, instead of having money here, why don't we just put it over here? Instead of it being spent on this, how about it just be spent on that? They're they're trying to keep the shell game going. That's all they're doing here. Instead of saying, we need to abolish all of these scholarships, programs, etc., etc. And here's a constant argument that you'll hear from numerous individuals who run these giant corporate conglomerates and government entities. They'll say the same thing every single time. Again, I said it earlier, but you know that not everybody can homeschool Sean and uh, some people need the free education that government has to provide it makes my nose bleed all the different angles that i could take this but ask yourself this is american k12 public school really free and let's look at it from from a very simple and yet rather superficial angle at the beginning of every school year in fact it's happening right now you're already seeing all of the back to school corporate things taking place, okay? All those commercials, the uh, the displays in stores, back to school, back to school, and it sends a shiver down the back of any straight-thinking, level-headed child, because they see the back-to-school stuff, and their summer is now over. It's ruined. I was one of those kids. I hated it. The second I saw the back-to-school stuff, I'd want to run out of the store. They are directly working with these corporations to push the back-to-school supplies, clothes, gimmicks, games, all of that. And as parents send their children to a quote-unquote free education, so they think, even though their tax dollars are paying for it, they're also paying out the wazoo for all of the back-to-school stuff that they are told to buy, basically, from all of their teachers and administrators within whatever building that they attend. All of that money could be spent on a wireless laptop computer and books from Abeka.com. That's it. It's that simple. But see, they want you to go through a nonprofit to get money out for a voucher so that you can spend it wherever you want. And depending on the state, you have to either do it through a private school, but you can't do it through a homeschooling program. And then there are some states that do allow you to do it through a homeschooling program. Point is, is they're still trying to control your money that they stole in the first place. And now they're telling you, they'll give it back to you just as long as you spend it on the things that we want you to spend it on. See, if I were to say that in one of their board meetings when they bring me in and they say, okay, everybody, we're all a team. Now let's all share some ideas. If I dropped that dime on them, I mean, I would have my box with all of my my desk tchotchkes in it and I'd be walking out the front door. I'd look at them and say, I'll show myself out. And then I, I would just leave because there's no way that they would want someone to cut right to the quick to solve this problem. And it's abolition. You have to abolish all of these ins and outs, backs and forths, nonprofits, government organizations, and all of the hands in the cookie jar. Everybody's trying to get their slice of the pie here under the guise of government reform and making government smaller and freedom for everybody. It's, it's a con. The whole thing is an absolute con. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. Again, this is Project 2025. They have an entire playbook already set up for every single department or agency in government and what they want to see have happen. They've been sitting around thinking about this for a long time. And yes, I guarantee they are hiring people. I have no doubt about that. The problem I have is they're going to hire bureaucrats. They're not going to hire people like you and me. They just won't do it. And if if they did, then we would have to submit and bend the knee and kiss the ring and lick the boots and do what they want us to do ultimately. There's no individual thought here. They already have the playbook written for you. It would be like a quarterback showing up to a football team and looking at the offensive coordinator and going, you know what? This is a nice playbook you got, but I got a better idea. And then as soon as that happens, again, you're out the door. You can't throw your own pass when you're working for a group like this. No chance. They won't let you do it. Sean, I don't think you're a team player. And, uh, you know, we've had some complaints in the office, uh, You've said a few things that have alarmed some people, and uh, what's this talk about abolishing the American education system and advocating for homeschooling? Uh, you know, we can't do that. Here at the Heritage Foundation, we have to perpetuate the problem, and uh, you have 30 minutes to leave the building. Security will show you out. That's, that's how it would go. <laughs> that's, that's just how it would go. So there it is, Project 2025. I'll probably still read through that document from time to time on the show, pick through it. I'm sure they just continue to give themselves away as to what their plans are and what they want to do. Again, it's a lot of, like I said, moving money from this place to this place, taking it away from this, giving it over here. It's just money changing hands. And ladies and gentlemen, when money changes hands, somebody skims off the top. It's the way it always works. All righty. Moving on. Speaking of skimming off the top, um... I'm sure you're familiar with this. I put the video on the late, on the last war video, and uh, I also put it on Gab. And it's a giant commercial about Coors and Molson. Molson Coors, the company, the beer company. They, of course, are completely satanic. They've gone full gay, full DEI, uh, right up the backside. And they're finished and why more people aren't complaining about Coors and Molson Coors as opposed to Bud Light or Anheuser-Busch astounds me. But this right here encompasses, I think, the even broader picture and the complete takedown of corporations and education, which is why, again, we need to abolish our participation in all of these, if we do participate, and then go our own way on this from a familial standpoint and certainly a homesteading standpoint. But The diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff, which I've brought up here with regularity, you're you're fully aware of this. These individuals are ingrained and entrenched in every corporation and in every aspect of American education, without a doubt. Not only are they fifth gear, pedal to the floor, full gay all the time, but the pedal is cemented to the floor and it's stuck in fifth gear. And it doesn't matter where they go or who they destroy in the process, they are not going to change. They won't change. This is going to start rolling out yet again in the future here, just within the next couple of weeks, as the professional development weeks start to kick into gear, um, certainly within American K-12 public, private, and charter school education. And the same, of course, is true with higher education. And I want to make two quick comments here. First of all, I am going to be on the Dangerous Info podcast with Jesse James on Monday night, and he live streams on his Rumble channel, uh, Dangerous Info podcast. Please check that out, or the Jesse James channel. It's one of the two. My apologies, Jesse, for messing it up. It's it's one of the two, but I'll be on there with he and Outcast, and I'm going to be mentioning a lot of this, again, professional development stuff and yeah, I mean I'm we're gonna talk about a lot of things. Um, but that right there is one of the things that's coming up without a doubt. The other thing too, of course, is what goes on in higher education, and I will be having um Dr. Robin McCutcheon back on. I haven't reached out to her yet, but I will have her back on also. And I wanna have her back on after she has her university retreat at Marshall University because the the information that she brings to bear regarding those meetings really sets the table for what's going to happen and what is the mind frame of the individuals who are who are still there. Again, masked up or not, they're fully jabbed anyway. And, and essentially, it's just a good dive as to where their mind is regarding the current state of affairs, certainly at Marshall University and endless other places, because Marshall University isn't alone. And again, most universities and departments do those and have those little uh, retreats where they try to get everybody on the same page yet again, and brainwash everybody as much as they possibly can as to what's coming up for the school year. So I'm going to have her back on hopefully uh, after she experiences that, and she will bring that information directly to you based on her observations of uh, being right there on the battlefield. So there's that. Okay. I want to spend a second on this because this is one of those phenomenons that continues to happen in American education, whether it be public, private, or charter, certainly at the public school level. But one of the things that we're seeing now, which is rather interesting, I certainly believe, is that we are witnessing, certainly over the last couple of years, regarding the entire scam scandemic and everything else, is we're seeing resignations exist, not just within the months of, say, December or even the month of May, which is typically when resignations among individuals who are in the education business occur but we're seeing them every single month this is this is new this is a new thing it would normally be suspicious if someone were to resign in the very middle of the school year or certainly you know 25% in that usually means that something has happened they've done something bad uh you know they're being shooed aside as quickly as possible and you know they'll they'll make up some kind of a story as to why someone is going away. The unfortunate part, not well, that's unfortunate too. But uh, the covering up of all of that. But one of the things that happens is, and you've heard this phrase before, it's the old passing the trash kind of mentality, and moving the lemons, as they say, from one building to the next or one district to the next. This is a constant thing. And it's happening now, I think, far more frequently than ever before because not only is there a teacher shortage, but there's an administrative shortage. Schools are having a very hard time finding administrators, which means what are they having to do? They're having to pull anybody they can to fill these positions, which means what kinds of people are they really putting in these positions? We can assume that they're not the best. Because as we know, if you think of the teaching pool as cookies in a cookie jar, the further down your hand goes into the bottom of the cookie jar, the worse the cookies are. The worse off they are. You pull out crumbs, you pull out a piece of a cookie, and you go, yeah, all right, fine, we'll use this one because we have nothing else to choose from. Sicily in New Mexico sent me this particular post, and the school district where she used to work, the Artesia Public Schools, if I'm saying that correctly, um, their Board of Education has now hired a new superintendent because their last superintendent uh, has resigned. This particular individual that they have hired, and I don't know them personally, but she did state to me that this individual in their last principal position was not liked by staff nor students. So, I don't know what that means. Again, is that uh, does that mean that she was super hard hard right wing, and everybody in the building was hard left uh, hard left wing, and they didn't like her because she was a business business minded individual? And let's get down to brass tacks. Or is it the exact opposite? And this person is a raging lunatic. It's hard to know, but this right here sort of proves my point: is is that this person has a 30-year career, and it says here that they have taught kindergarten, third grade, fifth grade, ninth, and 11th grade English. They also served as the principal of Alamo Gordo High School and Los Lunas High School. It says her central office experience includes uh, service as the director of secondary schools for the Los Lunas Public Schools and the director of human resources for Berna, Bernaillo, if I'm saying that right, probably not, uh, public schools also. It says most recently, this Mrs. Jaramillo, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, has worked for Artesia Public Schools as the principal of the intermediate school. She's received exemplary reviews for her work and all of the positions and that she has filled throughout her career and blah, 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 blah the the point that i want to make is this and again this is a, a very specific to of course the profession of education but when you become an administrator you can be moved around even without you choosing to be moved around they can pluck you anytime they want and put you in a needed position because there is a massive vacancy what's interesting with the times that we're living in now is there are vacancies everywhere And they're having a very hard time filling these vacancies. And I've been over all of the reasons as to why that's the case, but uh, it isn't getting better, is the whole point that I'm trying to make here. That we, we can't expect the business as a whole to survive, let alone even improve, because they're hiring people who either don't want the position, aren't liked in the position, aren't qualified in the position and have no business even being in the position. This is happening across the board in every state, no matter what. And as we know, as I've brought up here, and as Cicely has mentioned endless times, and she's 100% right, because it's statistically accurate, New Mexico is the worst state in the nation when it comes to public education. They're they're 51st. They're worse than Washington, D.C. It's, it just has to do with hiring. That's ultimately what I'm trying to say. You can't keep hiring the same kinds of people as the business is being diminished and as participation and willful participation in the business is rock bottom. In fact, if you were to compare it to a restaurant, this would be the state of restaurants nationwide before Gordon Ramsay shows up and attempts to fix the restaurant but even Gordon Ramsay would run away from this from this burning restaurant there's again there's no fixing it for a variety of reasons I'll continue to bring those up as time goes on as you know it's the basis of the show and uh and yeah th- that's just it they just continue to to look for people to fill a position as long as they have a beating heart and of course no pun intended here but you throw the old jabs into that well it's only a matter of time, I'm afraid. Which brings me to this. This is rather, uh, rather unfortunate, too. And something I'm sure we'll discuss at great length on the Dangerous Info podcast on Monday night, but this is from Breitbart, ex-Iowa football player Cody Ince dies unexpectedly at the age of 23. Died unexpectedly at his home in Wisconsin on Saturday, according to the New York Post. The cause of death has not yet been revealed. He started in ten games for Iowa and played a total of twenty nine during his time with the school. I think we can take a guess I, th- I think uh, I think we can take a guess as to what caused his death. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you what this is the thing that we are going to have to see, and more and more people are going to have to see live on TV with their own eyes. During these sporting events, these individuals dropping over. I certainly don't want to see that. I don't want that to happen. I'm not a monster. I don't want these people to die. But people have got to wake up to the real world that we live in. And again, you know, I'm 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 com- as shallow as it is. Rather, uh, you know, if I had a Deadpool list, I mean, Deion Sanders would be at the top of my list when it came to coaches and individuals who are falling apart, literally falling apart from the COVID bioweapon. It continues to be the case. And until more people, I mean, you thought you would think that the DeMar Hamlin thing would be enough for anybody to wake up. Uh, not the case. They they brushed that right under the rug. I've played the Kirk Herb Street stuff here on the show regarding his blood clots and now his son's permanent heart damage, you would think that that would bring enough attention to this where people would start saying, Hey, this is shot related, but no, they all get the memo. And that memo says, there's no proof. This is shot related. Don't bring it up. Yes. It's the elephant in the room. Don't pay attention to that elephant. Just pay attention to these email memos that we send out to everybody to make sure that everybody's on the same page about basically misleading themselves and the entire public as to what is causing all of these deaths i'm telling you it just has to happen on tv with more regularity during major sporting events that people are watching for people to start screaming it in fact i'll even go so far as to suggest this and i'm not really suggesting that this happen but think of what think of what this would do certainly on social media and all over television and what the broadcasters would say. You remember during the NASCAR race, which of course started the whole F Joe Biden thing, the old let's go Brandon, okay? And that NBC, uh, you know, NASCAR reporter female was like, oh, they're saying let's go Brandon. No, they're not. They're saying fuck Joe Biden. We all knew what that was. What if instead of during these college football games and sporting events, Instead of saying F Joe Biden, if they keep doing that or that becomes one of those herd mentality trends again, if someone falls over during a sporting event from the jabs, when is a chant going to go out among the awake in the crowd where they just start saying COVID jab, COVID jab, and they start saying that? I'm serious. I mean, wrap your head around that for a minute. What if that became a trend? It's tasteless, yes, I know, but it's the truth, isn't it? If they fell over during a sporting event and a chant like COVID jab started to come out, I mean, there's no way that the announcers could mess that up. There's no way. I don't know why everybody's chanting this. uh, It seems tasteless, and uh, it's really disrespectful, and we don't know the vaccination status of the player who's not breathing on the field, so we need to just uh, be quiet and blah, blah, blah. You know all hell would break loose from a PR standpoint. Public relations departments would be sweating through their suits and ties. There, There would be nothing that they could do to control this. They'd get on the microphones during the stadiums, and they'd start shouting things like we need everybody to be quiet we, uh, they need to hear each other down on the field uh, chanting isn't helpful i'm telling you it's got to be the awake populace that starts a chant like that to actually get people to wake up because endless athletes are dead from these shots we've seen demar hamlin fall over we saw mike hart former michigan football player and now coach of coach on their team fall over uh, who else have we seen fall over on the football field, or during the during the field of play, or or the courts, or whatever they are? I'm telling you that right there is a is a herd mentality social dynamic experiment that would be really interesting if it actually happened. Is someone going to start a COVID jab chant when a player falls over seemingly from the jabs? I think it's a matter of time. It might be a stretch, but, you know, who's to say these days? Who's to say? It's a clown world out there. And ladies and gentlemen, that leads me to this. Speaking of clown world. Moderna. Moderna documents are now coming out as a result of apparent uh, court order or FOIA litigation against the company. Much like the Pfizer documents regarding the jabs, we now have Moderna documents. This is from defendingtherepublic.org. It is titled, The United States of America Freedom of Information Act, Moderna. And then it says, Defending the Republic Obtains Moderna Information. Allow me to read through this. It says the following. As a result of defending the Republic's successful Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA, litigation against the Food and Drug Administration, we are excited to announce that we are releasing nearly 15,000 pages of the documents relating to testing and adverse events associated with Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine, SpikeVax, quote-unquote. DTR, Filed its FOIA lawsuit after the FDA denied the expedited production of Moderna COVID 19 records, stating that there was no compelling need or urgency for the public to review this information. Ladies and gentlemen, when a pharmaceutical industry says that last line, that means we need to see it. It says this spring, DTR reached an agreement with the FDA for the production of approximately 24,000 pages. Some of the most important records submitted by Moderna in support of its Biologics License Application, BLA. And it says this is the first part of that production. Later this year, the FDA will produce approximately 8,000 more pages of Moderna documents. These documents are the first significant release of data from Moderna's COVID 19 clinical trials. They reveal the causes of death, serious adverse events, and instances of neurological disorders such as Bell's palsy and shingles, potentially associated with Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine. It says, importantly, These records also demonstrate the utter lack of thoroughness of these studies. Many of those who died after receiving the Moderna vaccine were not given an autopsy. According to one study, 16 individuals died after being administered the Moderna vaccine. The study's authors indicated that out of those 16 deaths, only 2 autopsies were performed. 5 of the dead were not autopsied and the autopsy status of 9 of the dead was unknown, it says there's a sampling of the study they have a picture. It continues. It says yet this did not stop those running these studies from colluding despite the absence of evidence that the Moderna vaccine was not related to these deaths. It says, for example, a 56-year-old woman experienced sudden death 182 days after receiving the second Moderna dose. The cause of death was unknown and no autopsy was conducted. It seems, the purpose, uh, it seems they purposefully decided not to investigate suspicious deaths in, in case the Moderna vaccine might be the cause. Now, back in the 70s, they took all of the swine flu and flu shots off of the shelves because six people died. Nationwide, they took them all away because six people died. How many are dead from these shots? Depopulation is the word. Again, I said it all week. I keep saying it on the show time and time again. That's the word that gives away whether or not people are talking about the thing that needs to be talked about. And this is hot off the presses here, so if they're not talking about depopulation anywhere, well, those people are not your friends. It continues here. It says, "Quote: There were numerous examples of participants with post-vaccination Bell's palsy and shingles, herpes zoster." It says one 44-year-old female had left-side facial paralysis just eight days after the second dose. Numerous vaccinated participants saw the onset of shingles less than 10 days after vaccination. Other key observations during the Moderna studies involve serious adverse events for those in the vaccinated groups. A number of participants experienced myocardial infarction, heart attack, pulmonary embolism, spontaneous abortion miscarriage, transient ischemic attack, or TIA, and lymphoma, Subsequent analysis of reports from the FDA VAERS database, the Department of Defense's DMED database, and European regulators showed highlighted rates of these illnesses following administration of the Moderna vaccine. And similar to their treatment of deaths post-vaccination, the study seemed predestined to conclude that these serious adverse events, many of them life-threatening, were not related to the Moderna vaccine, so they said. It didn't matter whether the adverse event occurred within days of vaccination. This creates serious doubt concerning the safety of Moderna's vaccine and the FDA standards in approval of the Moderna vaccine. As part of the FDA's production, DTR also received the results of a study entitled, quote, a GLP intramuscular combined developmental and perinat- perinatal and postnatal reproductive toxicity study of mrna-1273 in rats unquote. The obje- the objective rather of the study was to assess the potential effects of mrna 1273 a vaccine development candidate against sars-cov-2 infection when admi- when administered intramuscularly on study days 1 and 15 28 and 14 days prior to mating, respectively, and gestation days 1 and 13 on fertility and pre- and postnatal development in the pregnant and lactating female Sprague Dolly CD, rat, unquote. It says the findings of this study are troubling. The mRNA vaccine altered the skeletal variations of the rat fetuses, and the female pregnancy index, quote-unquote, of the vaccinated rats was significantly lower than than the control group. A summary of the study was previously reported. DTR, via its FOIA lawsuit, is providing the full study. Here are the study's key findings and observations. Here we go. There are one, two, three, four, five, six bullet points. It says the following. Number one here: mRNA one two three one two seven three related common skeletal variations consisting of wavy ribs and increased nodules were were observed. Wavy ribs appeared in six fetuses in two litters, for the fetal prevalence of four point zero three percent and a litter prevalence. Of 18.2%. Rib nodules appeared in five of those six fetuses. The the fetal and litter incidence of wavy ribs exceeded the range observed historically at the testing facility, see appendix, and the uh, fetal and litter incidence of rib nodules was within the range. The next point says mRNA 1273 related. Non adverse effects were limited to increase in the number of fetuses with common skeletal variations of one or more rib nodules and one or more wavy ribs. The next bullet point the mean number of reproductive cycle lengths was statistically significantly higher in the mRNA 1273 group as compared to the control group. Well, that pretty much means it's the shots, doesn't it? The next one mating occurred in 95.5% of the rats in the control group and 88%, 88.6% of the rats in the MRNA-1273 group. it says the, the next one says, the female pregnancy index, number of rats mating, number of rats in the group, was 93.2% and 84.1% in the control and MRNA-1273 groups, respectively. And then the final point is this. At scheduled euthanasia, one pup in the MRNA1273 dose group was observed with bilateral small minimal renal uh, papilla, if I'm saying that right, and other pup from the same litter was observed with left small moderate renal papilla. I don't know what that means. It says these findings were not considered related to the mRNA 1273 because the observations occurred only in two pups from a single litter. It then wraps up here with two more paragraphs. It says finally, the FOIA production included a 2017 to 2018 Moderna study, which was submitted as part of the SpikeVax BLA, entitled "quote a dose a single dose." Intramuscular Injection Tissue Distribution Study of mRNA in Male Spring Dolly Rats, unquote, says the purpose of the study was to determine the tissue distribution of mRNA-1647 when given one intramuscular injection to rats and to determine the toxokinetic characteristics of mRNA-1647. Testing revealed that mRNA-1647 was detected in all of the analyzed tissue except for kidney, with elevated levels of mRNA-1647 found in the spleen and eye. Notably, mRNA-1647 was detected in the brain and heart. See the chart below. It says DTR understands, in conclusion, the necessity for the public review of the Moderna files and is making them available for download below. Please consider supporting our efforts to expose government corruption, promote government accountability and transparency, fight COVID 19 mandates on behalf of military service members, combat censorship, and to restore integrity in our elections. My God in heaven. And they've got all the reports here all the adverse events, uh, within their clinical study. One of the, one of the documents here you can download is 11,505 pages. Another one is 218. Another one is 1,650. Another one is 312 pages. Another one regarding the rats is 208 pages. And another one is, uh, again involving the rats also is 814 pages. I'm going to link this article that I just read in the description below of this episode. You want to check out these documents for yourself. I highly recommend it. Um this again this was thrown to me by by Kim Carter. I know that it was on TechnoFogs Telegram page as well and it's making the rounds. Um let me play this audio here, because this was audio that I sent kim carter you've heard You've heard audio like this before, but it specifically has to do with blood clotting and what this particular woman just described based on a uh, a hospital technician and what the hospital technician has said regarding extracting blood from the jabbed. So give this a quick listen.
1: So I just dropped off. A lab tech and we got to talking. Do you guys want to know what lab tech's job is? To test blood all day, to see samples of blood all day long. And this person just admitted to me that they run these blood samples. And then I asked her, of course, you know, I asked her, I'm like, are you actually seeing blood clots? Are a lot of the blood samples coming out with clots of blood? And she said, yeah. She said, so what we have to do is we are the clot cleaners. So one of the jobs in that lab is to take out the clots of the blood before they run the tests, so that it could come out clear. That's what she just admitted to me. That there's a station in that lab, Kaiser, for these people to clean the clots out before running the blood sample. So that they could come out clear. Because if they actually were honest about how many people are coming out with clotted blood, there'd be an epidemic of blood clots.
0: Now, you've heard me bring this up numerous times before. And Kim Carter's, again, when she was on the show, she said the same thing. And I've reported those text messages to me that she sent me regarding this. She says, Sean, When we're when we're taking blood from these individuals who have been jabbed, it's clotting in the tube before it even. It's clotting in the hose rather before it even reaches the tube. I mean, it's it's visually undeniable. It has to be visually undeniable. We of course know that these are not typical blood clots. These are self assembling nanoparticle fragments that are metal. That, uh, that are binding to one another and forming within the body. This has been happening constantly. This isn't going away. Not to mention, if they get that blood in a bag or within a vial, I believe she said it takes approximately 30 minutes for normal blood to clot outside of the body. Whereas in this, cl- in this case, it's clotting in seconds and even minutes outside of the body. Again you know, it's it's not going away. This is a massive problem. Hospitals are covering this up. They're either so brainwashed they're not making the connection, but they're certainly not turning people away from these shots, which means they are culpable in the murder and genocide and depopulation agenda. If they don't put a stop to this immediately, which of course they haven't been, so why would they now? Um, they're involved. They're just a hundred percent involved Uh, two, Two particular jab posts here that I want to read that were anonymous came from one of the chat boards. The first one is titled, Old Friend Has Congestive Heart Failure After a Full Course of Jabs and Boosters. They said the following, wanted to get together with me over a year or so ago, but she wouldn't meet with me unless I showed her my vax card. I told her that I wasn't jabbed, nor did I have a vax card. She told me she couldn't have lunch with me. And oh, by the way, I was an idiot for not getting vaxed. they said. About six months ago, she called me to tell me that she was in the hospital with a heart problem. I said, oh, too bad. She got better and then went back into the hospital about a week ago. Now she tells me that she has congestive heart failure. I feel bad for her, but it still baffles me how people immediately obeyed whatever the government told them to do. I know five people that were fully vaxxed still got COVID, and all now have heart problems, unquote. Here's the next one. It says, quote, this is a story that will become more and more common. The prognosis of myocarditis pericarditis, even with the standard of care, quote, unquote, involves generally around a 50% five-year mortality. I've, of course, brought that up. You're well aware of that. It says, what the mortality will be for undiagnosed or misdiagnosed as anxiety is unknown. There are huge numbers of people with diagnosed heart conditions from the jabs, but there will probably be an order of magnitude more who either didn't get diagnosed, ignored the chest pain, or presumed that this means it's working, quote-unquote, if this group has a five-year mortality of only 50%, then you double the number of deaths. The couple that I know who both got myocarditis, pericarditis from their second jabs are still not recovered. Well, that's because, yeah, that's because you don't recover from it. It's, that's not how it works. There is no recovering from permanent heart damage. It says the guy is not doing well at all after well over a year. At least they are aware that the jab caused it, though. They weren't rapid pro-jabbers, just normies who stupidly trusted the authorities, quote-unquote. They were envious of my unjab status, and we've had lengthy discussions about possible treatments, etc there are still so many who either have no idea, not sure how that's even possible for anyone with a brain, or refuse to admit that their health condition is a result of their decision to get the jabs. It's not just heart conditions either. Cast, cancer, rather, gastrointestinal issues, neurological degenerative conditions, all sorts of shit will just keep piling up, unquote. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't mean that we can stop praying for these people. We certainly need to pray for these individuals, but you know, the the damage is unfortunately done and it continues to exist. And as you've heard me say in previous shows, the flu jab rollout that's going to occur this fall, in my opinion, is going to be the likes of which we've never seen before. And again when that happens if it happens which i predict it will you're going to see uh numerous individuals becoming deathly ill within all of these institutions in particular the ones again that force flu shots and highly encourage flu shots which as we know school systems do this with regularity so do massive working environments with lots of employees because they all think alike and That's just going to be what happens next. And whether they make the connections or not, you know, we know it's happening. It's just a matter of, it's a matter of who does it and then when does that connection get made. So, yeah, interesting times, and that's putting it mildly. I'm going to wrap up here. Again, I will link in the description below the link to that Defending the Republic article where the Moderna docs exist. I will also put that link on my website under medical documents, under the medical documents section. And Monday evening, ladies and gentlemen, I will be on the Dangerous Info podcast. If you are interested in checking that out, I'm sure we'll talk about this and a whole lot more. So give that a listen over there on Monday. Thank you for listening here. Have a great weekend, and I will catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless.